I promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Reading from St. Matthew, the 27th chapter, beginning at the 11th verse. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he had realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two? Do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? All of them said, Let him be crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And the people as a whole answered, His blood be upon us and upon our children. So he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. And the people as a whole answered, His blood be upon us and upon our children. Well, again, I say it, thank God it's Friday. This is, I don't know how many Good Fridays I've preached, and every time I start it that way. Thank God it's Friday because it is on this day that we stand outside Jerusalem with the whole crowd watching the last breaths of this wonder worker from Nazareth as he proclaims it is finished. Part of us thinking, good, he's finished, he's done, he's lost. The other part says, good, the new will come. Thank God it's Friday because we gather with the people, with the crowd, and join in the cries of crucify him, crucify him. And so he is for you and for me. Thank God it's Friday because we cry out to Pilate, his blood be upon us and upon our children. And so it is. His blood is spilt. His body is broken. And we are covered. We are hidden. We are drowned out by the one who takes the sinner unto himself. Christ becoming obedient to death, as Philippians tells us, is what we should be thankful for, church. 
Our Jesus being obedient to all these cries, to all the desires of the sinner's souls and death's dark dread to make us new, to make us whole. Good Friday is not a day to hide from. It's not a day to set aside for other things. It should be a day for church. It should be a day for meditation. It should be a day for contemplation. It should be a day to hear the story over and over and over again because very, uh, very much we need to hear that every little word of the story is true. Every little utterance by every little actor is the working of God for the sake of his people. This part of the story is no small thing. I took the time to count it, 335 verses between the four gospel accounts from betrayal to burial. 335 verses. There are whole books in the scriptures that aren't even a tenth of that in length. 335 verses of Christ being handed over to sinners that we might let our sin do its worst on him. 335 verses in which every single person involved thinks they won and Jesus lost. And yet 335 verses that keep us from being able to hide our true selves. There is no us and them at the cross. There's no us thinking, oh, we would never be them. There's no us thinking, we're the holy ones, we're the righteous ones. We would never crucify Jesus. We would never do these things. At the cross, there is only us and him. That's it. Jesus' death comes because we will it. We want it. But it also comes because it is in his death that God reconciles all things to himself. That's Colossians chapter 1. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's verses 19 and 20 of Colossians 1, if you want to check my work. In Jesus Christ, on this very good Friday, God allows us to kill Jesus so that through his death he might be raised in order to raise us, in order to bring peace to all creation, in order to resurrect life in the hearts of sinners and make you a new living saint in the kingdom of God. We need the old creation gone so the new may come. We need a place to go to know that every past, every present, and every future is decided in Jesus for you, and that's without your permission. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have the word of God coming to tell us that the war is over, that there is peace, that all our fears are relieved because God and us, we're cool, we're square, we're good. Back in Exodus 24, Pastor Chris read it to us last night. Between the, the transmission of the laws at Mount Sinai, right? The Ten Commandments, which you all should know from confirmation. And then that golden calf thing, right? That thing, that, that nice little children's story that we have in Sunday school that we usually forget about until we're reminded of the golden calves we have in our lives. Moses is given a job to do by God as a way of remembering the covenant God has made. This covenant in which God has said to you and to me, I am your God, you are my people. So Moses gets up one morning and he builds an altar. And the people bring sacrifices and offerings to God as signs of fellowship, as signs of at one 
of unity with God, of, of making things whole between us. Moses takes half the blood of the sacrifice and, and he, he splatters some of it on the altar and then he takes some of it and he splatters it on the people. That'd be fun, right? Little cow's blood all over you. And he says, this is the blood of the covenant God has made with you as he's spraying them with this blood. This fits with the whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament, right? You bring your sheep, you bring your goat, you sacrifice it, right? And it's supposed to be fixing this estrangement that you have between yourself and God. There's some sort of price that is paid there. There's some sort of sacrifice, something that you give in order to, to fix this thing, this thing that went wrong. Sort, sort of kind of like a new beginning, but then what happens after that? Then you sin again, right? And you got to do it all over again. All those sheep are quaking in their little hooves, knowing that they'll be next. Well, here in Matthew, I wonder if the people know what they are saying to Pilate, his blood be upon us and upon our children. In part, they're saying, we accept responsibility. You're not at fault, Pilate, we are. That's what they say. We accept the guilt of what will happen. Some of them think they are doing the Lord's work by putting to death a blasphemer. Others are just bloodthirsty. For us, this Friday is a day in which we are called to accept responsibility, church. We realize that we are nothing but have tried all our lives to be something, something more, mostly to be God. I preach this to you all the time, and I will never stop because we need to be reminded of it. We, we do everything we can to control our destiny and the destinies of others. How many times in, in, in how many relationships have you meant well and it's not gone so well? Just think. We assume we know the best way. We, we, we sacrificed our dignity on the altar of politics, vilifying one another, thinking we know the best rules, the best guys, the, the best programs, the way to the best future, all of it trying to rip God from his throne. The, the, the creature trying to supplant the creator. That's the whole story of Scripture. And when that doesn't work, here in our readings in Matthew we do the next worst thing. Well, let's just silence. He says he's the son of God. Let's just silence him. Let's put him to death. Let's silence Christ. Let's kill the word, the logos. God's very best sermon made flesh come to us to walk among us. Let's, let's kill him. If he is dead, if the word of God is quiet, is silenced, if we can't hear it anymore, then there is no judgment. There's no law. There's no condemnation, there's no hell, and for some reason, in our warped thinking, no death. But then we discover we're wrong, right? Because if I remember correctly, there's still obituaries in the newspaper, right? We think we got it right. So yes, church, you and I are those people all the time. All you have to do is open up Twitter. And it will tell you. We have to accept it. We were there when they crucified our Lord. I just gave you the answer to the question in the song. Were you there? Yes, you were. We cannot hide from it. If you deny it, you deny the very need to which he died, your redemption from every assumption that you were good enough without him. On the flip side, 
What if the people are doing exactly what we should be doing? His blood be upon us and upon our children. In other words, cover us, Lord. Hide us in Jesus. Spill his blood as the first and last perfect sacrifice for sin to defeat death. Paint me in the blood of my Savior because there is no other way out of this mess. Mark me as the doorposts in Goshen as you did for the children of Israel. As they were covered in blood, we're seeing the blood of your Son upon me. You will pass over me, granting me life, but also making me yours. Have you ever tried to get blood out of something? It's kind of hard, right? When Josiah was in, in middle school in Minnesota, and this is how Minnesota tries to kill you, one day it was kind of warm and so stuff was getting a little slushy. So there's all these footprints outside during recess. They had recess during middle school. Weird. Um, and then the next day it was freezing. And so what happened with all those footprints? They all got frozen. Turned all the ice into little daggers. And what did my son do? He was in middle school, running around, slipped and falled, cut his knee open. I get the call, go to the nurse's office. They show me what happened. Needless to say, I'm glad my wife's the nurse because I was just... Because <clears throat> it was bad. I had to take him to the ER. He needed, he needed stitches and, and all these other things. And they had to cut open his, his jeans, his best jeans, to, to be able to get... At, at the wound, but the, it was covered. Those jeans were covered in blood. Even if they had not cut the jeans. My wife's good at laundry. I'm sorry, dear, you would not have gotten that blood out. It was impossible. Impossible. Church, tonight is a night to give thanks to God, to be thankful that it is tonight that God and Jesus does the very thing we ask. His blood be upon us and upon our children. May tonight be a night in which all this blood of Christ is spilled to cover every sin, every fear, all of death. His blood spilt to stain you so deeply that there is no way for anyone to ever wash clean from you the covering that Christ gives to you in himself. May tonight remind you of the very end of death itself because come Sunday morning, the tomb will be empty, but tonight, be covered. Hide yourselves. Admit your need. Otherwise, you'll spend your whole life casting Christ aside for some other Savior that is, that is not nor can ever be the one to hide you, the one to cover you, to redeem you, to atone for you, because no one else will die for you except for Christ. So thank God it's Friday. This Friday, the, the good Friday, the very best of Fridays, for by his wounds you are healed. Thanks be to God. Amen.